Hello, beautiful people. My guests today are Zach Tyler and Hunter Weiss, two gentlemen I am blessed to be able to call friends, and two individuals who have dove headfirst into the NFT space over the past month. The NFT world is something that you've seen me likely dip my toes in, and now I'm just fully in it to the point where it's hard for me to tell and know what is beginner knowledge and what is not, and I am still learning so much myself. I'm by no means an expert in this space. I'm learning, and that's exciting, and these two gentlemen are also learning as well alongside me, and you get the take and the perspective of a few people who have been absolutely entranced by a new technology. You get Hunter on the creator side of it, Zach on the collector side, and me on the collector side as well. And we just talk about what's interesting to us in this present moment. We recorded this episode last week. I'm publishing it on Wednesday. So hopefully the NFT space hasn't changed too much in this time, but it is something to be cognizant of that the information we talk about today could potentially seem crazy or outdated a month from now if you're listening or a year from now. So just want to put that disclaimer up front. Also, none of this is financial advice by any means. We're just three dudes talking about our experiences in this crazy, crazy new world. Without further ado, this is my episode and conversation with Zach Tyler and Hunter Weiss. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Hunter, Zach, it is an absolute pleasure for you guys to join me on the podcast. Two people who I think four weeks ago had never bought an NFT or been involved in the NFT ecosystem and now are absolutely thriving in it. And I just, I admire the way you guys have taken to a new technology and I'm so excited to connect both of you today for the podcast and just have a great talk about NFTs, life and whoever, wherever else we go with this. So thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's been, it's been great watching this all unfold and you bringing us in, you you getting us addicted to this new internet <laughs> Fuck, game. Fucking Danny. It's been a wild ride. I, I keep telling people, it's like a mix of art casino and crypto and degeneracy. Um, <laughs> it takes over your – it's all consuming because if I didn't need to sleep, I could pull a couple days straight ripping these. <laughs> it's, it's like what I felt is like you know I'm doing my, my work, my business, but it's just in the background, like 24-7 running and it's like just this fun game you're playing and you're right it's like a casino of art it's, it's amazing it never ends so what so what were you gonna ask zach before we were press record well i was gonna say i saw you i think maybe a week ago or two weeks ago and you brought up hunter um and i forgot and you were trying to get him to do something do you want to maybe tell that story yeah so i mean i know hunter is a little bit of a degenerate with his game stock <laughs> GameStop stocks and 
everything. And I know he's huge into photography and videos. And I'm like, this is the perfect intersection for him. And it was a little bit of nudging. It was a little bit of text here and there. And then I don't think I was the one who actually pushed it over to the edge. I think it was Visa buying a CryptoPunk where you could tell the story, Hunter, of what, how you actually well, got into it. How, what honest, was the light switch? I actually had a lot of failure with the space, just like uploading random things to OpenSea. And then I kept de- deleting them and unlisting them probably since March. And I didn't really like anything that I had put up there. And I kept making these random projects in Adobe Illustrator or whatever and uploading it. I didn't like any of it. So I just scraped my OpenSea. And then once I scraped it, I gave myself like – it's like, all right, I'll go back to this when I'm ready. Like, don't go, you don't need to be on it right now. I hadn't really dove in. And then I was up when Visa broke the news at like three or four in the morning. I can't remember why I was working on something. And I, I had seen the Visa, okay, Visa buys a punk. And I'm like, Visa's a multi-billion dollar company. This $180,000 punk means nothing. It's a PR play. And a PR play is always going to drive mass hype, virality. Everyone's going to go crazy. And it's going to give a week to two weeks of hype around the space specifically because of Visa buying a punk. So I dove straight in. I slept like three hours that night, set an alarm. Four hours later, I was up and it's like nonstop. I think I started texting you, calling you, just like asking ideas. And once I got in, I, I, then I hopped on the like Gary V train and I like started reading through all his stuff and just dove in the rabbit hole fast. Like I literally looked at NFT hashtag and just read for hours. And then I looked at NFT community, read for hours. Then I went on foundation, started buying pieces, and then I started messaging people like, hey, I just bought your piece. Like, do you have an invite? Until I found someone who, like, I bought a piece from and they gave me an invite or whatever. And it just never ended. And now it's like, now I'm trying to keep it. Now I'm just like, I want dope. I want my, like, dopest projects to, like, see the world through the blockchain. And I have no clue where this is going other than it seems like OpenSea is already the Amazon of NFTs if they're doing 3 billion volume in a month. It's like Amazon and eBay combined. It's like yeah, like a it's a clear indicator. It's a clear indicator that they've already got their stride working with their technology. And yeah, ETH gas isn't their fault, but their platform is pretty seamless. Yeah, and and Zach, just so we have some context, what was your journey into NFTs as well? Yeah, so mine was um, the, you know what's interesting? It's like. I look back and I try to think a lot about like feelings, like what did something feel like when I first saw it, right? Like I remember two or three years ago watching videos about cryptocurrency and just shrugging it off. I wasn't really early to that at all. But, and NFTs was the same. I, I, earlier this spring, people were buying people and it was there. It was interesting, but it wasn't, I wasn't really into it. And then, you know, you had the Visa um, purchase, like you said, and that was around the time our guy Danny right here texts me, have you gotten an NFT yet? Just that one short message sends you down this insane rabbit hole of losing sleep, losing money, uh, but all learning and you know hopefully making money in the long run. And um, yeah, and so the first NFT I bought was uh, the Lonely Alien Space Club for life. And uh, <laughs> um, once I got it, it's just like I think I tweeted the other day like how to, how to get NFTs, get one. And once I got it, it's just like. That was it. Then I was in the OpenSea ecosystem, learning, studying rapidly, and um, I've been obsessed with it the last few weeks. Yeah, the best way to get involved in any ecosystem and really understand it is when you have money that's on the table and you are making money from your art or you're 
trading art and it's like it's a completely different thing by seeing it in the news versus being in the ecosystem and when you do it's like something crazy happens so hunter take us through the moments Bro, I, after i legit have considered spending every dollar to my name on it in the past like 48 hours thinking that like if you buy from one of these collections that has just come out in the past two weeks, but it has a great art, great community. Could it actually be still a two, three, four X? The Mutant Eight Yacht Club to me is like a genius. First of all, genius name, like Board Eight, like just a cool name. The virality factor of the name is going to be the most important to like getting people in because the celebrities that talk about like I got a Board Ape or Mutant Ape, those things stick in people's mind. They won't forget Board Ape. They mm-hmm. won't forget Mutant Ape. So I start like diving into it, and I'm like. Four ETH, like that sounds like it could go to ten, it could go to sixteen, or it could go to zero. <laughs> so, so what happened with you though? Like, how do you? What was okay? Visa breaks the news. You start going into it, and then so, yeah, takes Visa us through the, the next news. forty-eight hours. Visa broke the news, and I was laying in bed, and I was like, "What is? What creatively would resonate with crypto art and be like a cool first collection?" And I hadn't figured it out that night, but when I woke up, I started looking through photos and I was like, monkeys, monkeys is perfect. Like this is perfect for crypto, perfect for Twitter. Like I had these photos. So I went through them. I actually have 45 photos and I started making a good folder and a bad folder. And I just started dropping the photos in that I liked of the 45 or whatever until I narrowed down. And I actually narrowed down 17 and I published 15 and then dropped the late monkey for 16 after they had all sold out in like nine minutes. I was like, fuck, like people like these? Damn, this is going crazy <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, it was mind blown. Because everyone was like saying, buy a monkey selfie, buy a monkey selfie. And I was like watching it trade hand. <laughs> and like a few of the monkeys traded like 15 hands in two in like 20 minutes. So I was like, okay, this is like moving quick. Like people are touching these, they're going between addresses. I mean, a kid on Twitter that's like, follows all of us um he bought one for i think 0.15 eth and he sold it for 3.5 eth three hours later it was his first ever nft jesus christ and he bought it and he sold it and it was first ever flip and it was successful and he's like fully in the game now like i've been texting him and and he's like i looked at his eth address he's been buying big projects and flipping projects and and he's 20 though, and he got lucky. Like he bought a monkey and flipped it from 0.15 to 3.5. You're not doing that anywhere else in the spit in any space from that risk. Like your risk versus reward, your reward was way massive compared to your risk. Dude, and I think imagine my FOMO. I'm on the treadmill. You text me that you just released a new project. You're texting me that it's selling out. I'm like, dude, I'm on the treadmill. Like, can you can I wait? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, these sold out and they're flying off the shelves. Like, how did that feel yeah. as a creator, as the well, creator and the the photographer? So I think the coolest thing is seeing people react to your work and being like, I I, I personally have always thought they were some of my coolest photos and never knew what to do with them because when you have so many photos, it's like. Am I going to put a collection of 50 photos on a wall? Like, nah, I could sell people like a monkey selfie if they want one. But now, like, to have a place like OpenSea where you can create these curated, beautiful little galleries, it almost acts as like a digital showcase. And then if someone falls in love with it, they can buy it. And that's the part I like because at the end of the day, like, as a creator, like, I like to make things, put it out there, and move on. And a lot of the stuff I put out, I haven't 
in the past, it's just been sitting on my hard drive. It hasn't really been shared with the world. So now I kind of feel like I have this opportunity to like share with the world that if people want to invest in it or buy it or trade it, they can, or they can just sit there and no one buys it and they're still online. And that's the aspect that I think is really cool to anyone is like you could be a small photographer and put 500 photos up in a collection for $50 each. And if some sell great, if all of them sell even better, if none sell, you hope someone stumbles upon your work and wants it. And like yesterday, I started buying into this 1970s collection. Last night, it's 1.30. I open it up. There's a Jay Leno childhood – there's a Jay Leno photo in it that's an original from 1970 no one bought. He's talking to a famous actor on set. They're sitting there at a smoke break. And I'm like, how did no one buy the best photo in the collection? It's literally Jay Leno history <laughs> in 1977 just sitting here smoking a cigarette with another famous actor. And it's like that to me is how crazy this space is. Like a dude who's in his 60s or 70s publishing to OpenSea for 0.04 ETH a photo. Like I think he spent 250 bucks on a photo that, in my opinion, is just a classic like childhood Jay Leno. Like you don't really see mm-hmm. that coming out from anyone else unless they share their private collection. It's crazy because I think it's also going to act as a Google. You know, we were talking about OpenSea as an Amazon and eBay, but it also might be a way for people to see the history of different photos and, and research and, and find them from that perspective as well. Because you're right, someone could mint something today and four years from now, someone could stumble across a crazy photo and be like, wow, no one ever actually picked this up. And so that's really interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. the other thing we'll see too is creators that put stuff out and potentially pass away and like their work is locked on the blockchain the same way that like you have um, what is like the Library of Congress or whatever that has every library, every book or like holds all these rare books around the world in America's library yeah. type of deal. But that's not even digitized the same and way. What's interesting about that is like like I've heard uh, – what's interesting about these NFT collections is I think the best ones are the ones that enable the community – to build it like they enable the community to create the content to create the memes to create everything you know and the, the best one doing that we can talk about it later is this one called loot have you guys seen mm-hmm. that yeah um, i've new project I've seen it. what yeah. is it have you seen that hunter what's it called so uh, i'm not, i've read a little bit about it. i've read about one article about it and i'll explain it quickly if you go on open see the the recent um rankings it's flying off and it's this unbelievable project where so you know what we're seeing on open sea lately you see these 10k avatar projects, penguins, uh, you know, muffins, birds, whatever. I don't, I don't know what muffins are, but this is like the opposite. All this person did is, I, I think his name is Dom, I believe on Twitter. I might be wrong, but Do something, and created this project called Loot. All it is is the NFTs are this line of text, and each is its own little bag of loot. So it'll be like a diamond sword, um, robes, uh, chest plate, right? And that's all it is. And the community now is in charge of building this entire universe. And so you have people who are making art for these loot items. You have people who are creating a marketplace to trade the specific loot. And um, we don't need to, we can go more into it later, but the idea you said is when people pass away, it's, it's interesting to think about how these communities can live on forever. And, and so much of it happens beyond the initial creator. Those are the best projects, right? Where the yeah. project is bigger than the creator itself. You look at like even Gary Vaynerchuk's project with VFriends. It's like the conference way bigger than just him. And he can't possibly do that all alone. And that's going to be like the next level of it. Because you're going to see these initial projects where 
people like the art or like the collection or like the person that created it. But then it's like, how do you get to that next layer and the next potential for it? It's like you create a whole ecosystem around it. And that's yeah. next level stuff. I actually think, though, like the future, because Gary Vee was big on trading cards before NFT, the future of collectibles is digital, digital because if you can issue Fernando Tati's baseball card, one of 10 at yeah. an auction release, and now there's only 10 on the blockchain, I would personally rather have the digital version and never have to worry about the condition of the physical or losing the physical or getting the physical stolen or something happening to a physical card that could be worth thousands of dollars it's equally worth the same amount on the internet and i think that can spread across every industry you can, oh, gucci yeah, can verify you could verify your gucci purse off a qr like a serial number inside of it that goes to a blockchain verification it can be done in any single with any single industry to verify authenticity and that's the part that i think will go towards where if you buy clothing that's Supreme, for example. Supreme could verify every piece of clothing off a collectible pair to the original buyer. I think yeah. it's inevitable they, they will. And I think like when you get to that point, like, I'm, a, I'm a big believer Like um, when this becomes integrated to that level, it, you won't be talking about NFT. It will just be there. It will be everywhere. And yeah, do you agree with that? That's a, Yeah, that's the thing about AI, right? People talk about AI, but AirPods are AI in a sense and you don't you don't think about it as ai in your ears you think about it oh that's just airpods and i think yeah. that something similar will happen for nfts where if you just go to the restaurant and show them your exclusive membership code on your phone as an nft it'll just be part of society's an exclusive membership code and then you could resell it on OpenSea, and it's like whoa that creates a whole marketplace for restaurants and the potential for restaurants to say, okay, you get free uh, beer for life or you get a free deal or this. It, it's like the potentials of it are insane and and exciting. And just to see like we're on that forefront and we see it before the world has been exposed to it is is really exciting thing. Hunter, what does that, what does that make? You, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say something that I think is interesting is I tweeted about how the NFL should link every Super Bowl ticket to an NFT collectible since you're already paying thousands to go to the Super Bowl. Definitely. And as we start building out these digital portfolios, museums, whatever you want to call it, I do think we'll see down the road. Facebook's got to get in the game since they're a photo video platform and it would work perfect. And I think from what I've noticed is that their algorithm the past couple months has limited what you see on NFTs because they don't want you to actually dive into it without them having their platform ready versus Twitter's ahead of the game. Huh. Twitter's been in a lot longer and I've seen it a lot longer. I just didn't dive in. But Facebook has been algorithm is very limiting to what they were showing people the last couple months. And I had to specifically search NFT pages and it almost felt like there was a cloud over the NFT word and phrase and communities unless you were actively searching for it. And I'm wondering if that's strategic on Facebook's end as they build and prepare a platform to catch up since they're already behind the curve. OpenSea has already proved that it works. So if Facebook builds a marketplace directly like OpenSea that can connect into your Instagram and Facebook, now it's like Facebook NFT wallet or Instagram NFT wallet, whatever. They're a direct competitor and they already have millions or billions of users. So it would make sense if they can figure out how to integrate in. But also a lot of people hate Facebook and Instagram. So it also is that like weird dynamic of 
can they successfully do it if they do do it? Going back to the NFL thing, I think people like to buy, like have their these collectibles, and it's kind of like a humble, kind of like a brag, like, hey, I went to the Super Bowl, X, whatever, and now I have a digital icon that shows forever my ticket, my ticket turned into an NFT. Mm-hmm. What if what if you could go to the Super Bowl and then resell your ticket for more than the cost of the actual event? You probably could since it's so limited. But what there's seventy thousand NFTs out for one Super Bowl. There probably how many tickets would they issued one? Mm-hmm. And some rare ones, and some you know. What well, I mean? yeah, I mean so, if you have like a field level access or like you have a special box or whatever it says, it would be the exact ticket of your original ticket NFT version. It can wow. be done with every sport. I was just thinking the NFL Super Bowl has got massive following and millions of viewership, but you could do it for soccer. You could do it for World Cup. You could do it for, I mean, you could issue, you could do it any way you want. That's the thing is there's no, there's no set way it can be done. You can literally think of an idea and you can mint it based on your idea because it's all algorithm. So, Zach, back to the idea of you open Instagram and you have the wallet and you see the wallet. You had that tweet and I was like, oh, my God, that is brilliant. Yeah. So why don't you explore that idea? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I was th- I've been thinking a lot about how, like, like a, I think a lot of startups, um, like, they form just out of these, these uh, not abnormal, but these behaviors that emerge on existing platforms, right? And then those behaviors become their own startups. And like I was noticing like myself on OpenSea, how I was behaving. And there's just all these unique interactions that, I mean, like that weren't really built in. So like, for I mean, they were, but like, I think I just tweeted like a few minutes ago, like you should be able to have a feed of all the wallets you're interested in and seeing all their activity. How cool would that be? You know? Yeah. Hunter, you told me you were doing that yesterday as well. Yeah. I was just, I had like 10 tabs open to all the different wallets. So I've been tracking Logan Paul, FaZe Banks and like the bigger yeah. guys. So I'll Gary V, some other guys. Yeah. yeah. And just keep clicking refresh and see what they're buying, selling, putting offers on because they usually are going to have not inside information, but obviously people are reaching out like, Hey, check out this project. It has a huge, whatever, a huge community or it has yeah. no one's purchased into it yet or. Yep. But they usually do it after they purchase, um, you know, and the idea that, sorry to interrupt you could honestly probably build a bot someone could probably build a twitter oh, bot yeah. that tracks these wallets and then tweets out logan paul bought x or logan paul sold x or logan paul wow. put because all it all is a good idea blocks. it's on the blockchain is, so you have to track their on etherscan get their address and then figure out how to bot track specific address to a tweet they already do it for whales they already do it for all yeah. the other trades there are a lot of great platforms. I've been finding new ones every day. I mean, this you know everything's so new. So there's amazing um, statistical and analytical platforms. But regarding Instagram, though, like what's what's interesting is I really do think one day it'll be like you know you open up your your phone, you see a feed of wallet activity, people buying and selling different NFTs. Your profile, your list, your profile is your listed NFTs, the ones you don't have listed, and you know you're checking the bids on them, you're checking what the floors are. Every collection has a really cool homepage, just like OpenSea. Like the OpenSea, when you look at it, it's almost like an Instagram. Like you have like the you know the rows and the pictures. Reminds me and of Pinterest. The yeah, way it's Pinterest. Out. Yeah. And so, you know, and then I think you know the the obvious one is like changing your profile picture 
that I can already see it. Like right now you click, it says um, select image from camera roll. Now it'll be select um, NFT from wallet. It's just like so native. But what's interesting is like, I think there will be these killer apps that onboard a whole um, community of people. So like you saw with uh, Bobby Hundreds, um, brought on, that had to have brought on, they did a $25,000, sorry, 25,000 quantity drop of these bomb NFTs. And it brought on a ton of streetwear people who I bet you were making their first wallet on um, their first purchase with ETH. And um, like, okay, how does Kylie's makeup community get onboarded? How does the fitness community, like, like, um, like, you know, I think what you said, Hunter, um, there's a really good point about maybe Facebook hiding certain things with NFTs. That'd be amazing. That would be very interesting if that happens soon. It, it, if you go on some of these pages and you look at their um, the amount of it, followers they have to engagement, yeah, it does look like that everything is still pretty. For if NFTs are trend right now and it was getting mass hype, it would be what Facebook would want everyone to see because it would drive more consumption. So if they're right. hiding, there's got to be a reason behind their algorithm to limit people seeing it and dive into the rabbit hole. Versus mm-hmm. Twitter and Jack Dorsey's pro crypto, pro Bitcoin, OpenSea seems to have been made specifically for native Twitter action because the the way you can post on Twitter and drive straight to OpenSea in seconds and the UX looks great, the thumbnail looks great. On Instagram, it's not the same. Having a thumbnail no. preview on Twitter is your sales pitch. Before that is your can does someone like my work before even clicking on it? If they catch the photo on Twitter, they're going to the work. And, and the links, the native links as well. That's huge. Native link. Well, if they click on Instagram, links. they got to go bio, then they got to go. And to me, Instagram seems the, the the current Instagram platform is outdated for NFT model. I agree. Maybe and it's also Instagram the community. It's also the community. I think. Like I think you yeah. get there's just less people interested. Honestly, like uh, I know if I did a poll on my Instagram, how many of you bought an NFT? You're talking maybe ten percent, five percent, probably less. Yeah. Def- definitely less. And um, but it's probably multiple things at play. I think Twitter also rewards people who are faster thinkers because for some reason reading, when you're reading something versus you're looking at an image of it, often the reading, the people who are reading are faster consumers of information and NFTs right now are very important for fast consumption because you get a drop, a new drop. Okay, let me go to the the link right now. It's much harder to do that on Instagram. But with that being said, I think the next generation of NFTs, maybe talking about NFTs in 2022 or 2023, are going to be much better for Instagram because it's an image-driven platform. So when the masses come to NFTs, it's going to be like, wow, I want to show that off on my Instagram. And you're going to see a lot of people posting their NFTs if some of those celebrities start doing it. Big time. Yeah. I think the interesting thing too, though, is a lot of some of the creations are 3D, and OpenSea's software lets you play back and view these imagery or 3D models. Where I don't know how that would work with Instagram, so maybe that's something they're having to build. Or, but like with OpenSea, you get on there and the upload options. There are so many file options, but you can physically on some of these pieces take your mouse and drag a 360 around it. There's even see. a game one. There's a pinball one where you can literally play pinball on the object page on OpenSea, which is crazy. Like imagine that on Instagram. Like that'd be pretty cool. I, I think it's inevitable because you look at Mark Zuckerberg's like vision for the metaverse. I don't know if you saw that. He did a bunch of press about it a few weeks ago, 
and you know nfts are like you know like someone else this isn't my quote but like the base layer or the base unit of the metaverse and um it's inevitable like it's just a matter of time and how it happens so what what did you learn from mark zuckerberg talking about the metaverse and what is what did he say and, and fill us in on that yeah so he basically outlined that um what I remember, he remembered he outlined that Facebook is going to transform from a social media company to being a primarily a metaverse company. And, you know, if you think about the first, that first part was Facebook connecting people, um, you know, across the world. Now it's going to be providing a form of presence. His Mark Zuckerberg is very big on presence um, with someone across the world. So you and, you know, us three, us three are on these little win- windows right now on our laptops. But I think in a few years, um, it'll feel like we're in the same room, even though we're not. And, um, that's big for him. I know what's also big is he believes in um, creating these new economies uh, built in virtual worlds. I mean, you already have this with things like Axie Infinity. And so it's really cool to see like, he and him as the CEO of this massive, massive company thinking like this. And I think, uh, the, the, I think Hunter, you brought this up before, like the issue with that is, you know, um, people are worried about having an open metaverse versus a closed metaverse. Now you imagine if Facebook is the, the creator of the metaverse, the, the the ones in charge, is going to be some issues there, and um, yeah, but they're definitely going to be playing a major role in it. The the thing that think comes like to mind when you talk about that is how like fast we accelerated to a, to digital communities and how it it really kills like physical tribes and like we are going towards a weird place where like people are becoming internet isolated, which at the same time it's not really I don't think it's healthy for society. Like, yes, we can have all these internet communities, but we're taking people away from real life community if, mm. if you're sucked into this whole internet world only. So it'll be interesting to see how Facebook would – it because it, to me, it feels I feel like we could dive into this next phase of like VR and people don't even leave their house. Like they have It's, it's going to happen. It's, well, it's yeah. inevitable. I also <laughs> think that they were probably saying the same thing about the internet 1.0. Like, oh, this internet thing is probably going to make people not leave their house. And what happened was that internet has served to complement the real life. And an example of that would be Zach and me met from the internet and now we hang out in real life. And you get both of those. So I think what you're going to see is people using the internet as best they can to create real world interactions and real world sure. connections. That's gonna the be best taking, case. Yeah. Who you meet on the internet that is like, and then also meeting those people in real life to keep building these communities out. Yeah. What I'm most excited about is like, I agree with you Hunter. There's going to be people who never ever leave their homes for years. And you know, that could be a whole ethical discussion. Is that okay? Is it not? Um, like, is it okay to live in a virtual reality or not? But Regardless, like what I'm excited about is like for me, when I was a kid, I felt um, very like a lot of my beliefs and a lot of the things I was doing was just because of where I was born and not that I was, I was born on Long Island, New York, very lucky, but like um, everything I was doing was because of who I was around, where I was born and like what I was supposed to be doing based on my community. And I think um, what's exciting about these digital communities is it's expanding horizons and at a younger and younger age. And um, I think that's a really good thing and, you know, expanding opportunity as well. People yeah, get a it, chance to go it, and learn like never before. Well, let's just dive into this new like internet blockchain. Like I'm reading like 14-year-old coders are coding NFT drops and mints. And it shows that 
no matter who you are, if you have an interest in it, you'll figure out how to get into it. Because really the barrier to entry, it might seem overwhelming or hard, but it's, to get on OpenSea, it's making a MetaMask wallet. If you want to buy something, it's purchasing money on Coinbase, sending it to your MetaMask. Your MetaMask is linked to your OpenSea account and you can purchase instantaneous. And the biggest barrier entry right now for people is that they have to pay a gas fee to initialize their wallet the first time and they see, oh, it's $250 for my first purchase in fees. It's because you haven't made any before and after that it's going to get cheaper. But yeah, there's clearly issues on this whole Ethereum gas issue that needs mm-hmm. to figure out how to scale. But the barrier to entry is really anyone can download a browser-based wallet and hop on and start buying things or selling things. What would you guys say to someone who is skeptical about this whole new world but kind of wants to dive in but doesn't know really where to start? What would you guys tell that person? So I would say that I wouldn't, first off, I'm not an experienced NFT trader. I've been doing this, like I said, like almost, not even a month really. So, But what I'd say is because I've, my mistakes were was I went a little too hard. I got very obsessed and there were some things I bought where I think I'm overall doing great, but some things, you know, went down a lot. I rushed in, I FOMO'd in, aped in and um, just start really small because I think the best way to look at it is, you know, let, you know, right now, I don't know what day is it, September 2nd, there was just a small little correction, if you want to call it that, in the NFT market, right? And I think um, the best thing to do, obviously don't spend money you can't lose, but um, try to flip your way up from small projects. You know, start with five hundred dollars. Start with you know, it depends on your situation, and and that's what I'd say. Start small, and then you'll see how these communities work, and and really go deep in a few communities and see how it feels, and then and then eventually it clicks. I would also say buy things you like. Don't just yeah. buy them because people are hyping it up. Or if you genuinely like a piece of art, and you might spend money on it, and it might never sell. Hey, you have a cool piece of art. So maybe one day it sells or someone comes to your profile from the person's collection and wants it. You already own it. Mm-hmm. It might not sell one day, two days, three days. It might sell in six months. Zoom out. I keep telling people when I send them like these NFTs I find, look at this chart. This NFT has been on OpenSea for two months. It, it came out. The chart went straight up. It had massive trade volume and then it went right back down and it was flat. It was flat for two months. Look at what it just did in the last two weeks. Someone bought it for 0.3 and sold it for 2 ETH because they were patient. They were patient for two and a half months. They might have lost $400, but instead they made 10000 because they waited two months. That's kind of the game. Instead of like some people want to trade crypto all day, and I've, I've got sucked into that too in the past. I mean, I've been a degenerate. Like I have done <laughs> 20x leverage with $1,000 and watched it disappear in seconds. I've also watched it double in seconds. Like, I understand how this, what this game can do, but with art – you're in a different game you're in a buy and hold or buy and flip or you're in a i just want to own it and like i've hit a point right buying pieces that own it to support creators and i think it's cool to have these pieces and it's like there's people in this space that have money that have 800 items in their wallet there is no way they're selling these items like i look through these and there's no listing price and there's no offers they just bought it because they wanted to you got to realize on the creator perspective just putting your art out there you never know who's going to come across your wallet and just buy 10 of them or buy one of them. And it doesn't even hurt them because their scale of your $180 photo to their $2 million wallet, they don't care. They like your photo. Yeah. They have a part. It's like Amazon. Your people are consuming on the site. Consumerism is what drives OpenSea. Like I literally scroll and I'm like, right, I'm going to support some people. Add to cart. I, w- I wish I could add five to cart and get lower gas because I would buy five. <laughs> 
And it's a great feeling though, because like when you find an artist who's you know undiscovered, all their pieces are you know point zero five ETH, zero zero five ETH. Like I've found recently, and I just loved his work. I saw one person shout it out, and I bought one, and it's now the floor is like one ETH, and it, it's amazing because you 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 believed in them, and you helped them grow. It's a really great thing. I mean, Hunter, you've experienced that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I honestly got sucked into the euphoria, and I wish I did things different, but you can't go back on the blockchain, and you can only go forward, so I'm not thinking about it anymore, because you know what, it's done, and I I want, I guess in a, in a way, like, I'm very, very grateful people have bought, like, bought my pieces, and I think the big thing is I've been sitting on thousands of photos for the last years with, like, not sure, like, I've tried to sell it digitally with prints, I've tried to do all these diff- – I've attempted everything under the sun, like to selling things, like to selling art. And now it's like if I can create curated collections that are dope themes, like maybe once a month I put out a really like small – like I really like the idea of 50 pieces or less because 50 lets people get in. I tried 11 and it sold out in eight seconds and I was like, I, I can't do this ever again. I feel bad. Like no one got a piece. All my friends were like, yo, I didn't get a piece. Like this is fucked up. <laughs> And everyone took the, the, the price they bought it at and put it at one ETH. And now they're holding it because everyone was trying to go from 0.1 to 1. And then there's people like I would have bought it if they tried to flip it right away at point. But a lot of people like have the idea of trying to like maximize. And I think that's the other side is that we'll notice like the bigger drops, there's more trade because people are trying to get in and get out. And then the smaller drops, there's more holding. And that's the one. I've noticed that too. I've noticed yeah. that too. I have a question on there. I don't, you might have talked about this before. I don't know if you did because you said how last spring you were posting R and OpenSea. It wasn't selling. What um, was the track? What was the first traction this time around when it obviously did this do really well? My art sucked because I was That's taking fair. images and going into Photoshop and trying to do like abstract drawings over it. And like I looked back on it and I was like, the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> and I, so I scraped it. And then I, what I wanted to do is I started researching Everything I had researched said build a collection of 10 pieces minimum, maximum 50 was like the range. So I started building this collection and I thought like OpenSea would let you batch upload. I was like, all right, I'm going to batch upload like 50 photos. And it's like, no, you got to do one by one. And then you got to list <laughs> one by one. You got to set a timer one by one. I'm, like, right, I'm not doing 50. I'm making this collection 16. Like I had the monkey. <laughs> So I didn't tell anyone I was making it because if you tell people you're making it, you can't hide it. Then they could go technically on OpenSea and buy it. So like when I was making the monkeys, I was uploading them live right away. Like someone could have bought it an hour or two hours before my launch, but they hadn't found my prof- profile yet because I was pretty, I was new. So what I noticed though is it was starting to get favorites as I was uploading them. So I think people were seeing it being added to OpenSea. It was getting favorites and views, but no one bought one. So I was like, okay, we're good. Like. I can launch this. And then I just started uploading. I have the pictures ready. took me like about half a day to curate the album and like color and crop and make it how I wanted to. And there's a mistake in there actually. Um, There's one photo that isn't, there's technically two photos that aren't a monkey selfie and they're the monkey with a coconut. And I just like the monkey with a coconut. They're not holding the lens. They're the two. That's the rare piece now. That's the rare one. Yeah, there's three rare ones in my – or four like that could be considered rare. There's one with two monkeys and it's the only photo with two monkey selfies. And then there's the two coconut ones and then there's the one covering his face. So those are like the four that like stand out. So I just made this gallery. I 
put it together. I put the floor at 0.05. And I was like, all right, this, this should sell. Like, I think I have enough Twitter following, whatever. And like, dropped it on Twitter. And I guess some kid found it, sent it in like four discords, sent it to fiction. And then they all just jumped in. And I was just sitting there and like for nine minutes, just clicking refresh. And they were just selling and flipping. And then for like four hours, it was straight euphoria. I just sat there and I couldn't believe it. I watched it go from 0.05 to watching oneself for 3.5 in three hours. Like from drop to three hour point, it went zero to 3.5. That's insane. What's the volume right now? I have it right here. 25 volume. Holy shit. Yeah. But what someone was telling me is that that gallery – could stay flat and have zero sales for weeks and people are watching it until someone lowers their floor low enough to where they can swoop in and grab it now that it's already had like a blow up to where it could sit stagnant for a week, two weeks, a month, a month and a half, and then just take off one day. It's true. Yeah, I mean it says right here the last transaction was like a week ago. Yeah, for one ETH. Someone put an offer on it and grabbed one. Which I think people are holding people are holding these. Yeah, the the floor keeps varying. Like I saw one point eight floor a couple days ago, and I tweeted like monkey selfies under two ETH, and then the next day, like within an hour, the floor had already been moved back up. You said you got caught up in the euphoria of it. What do you mean by that? And and maybe your mistakes will help somebody who's a newer creator right now. I had fun posting my work and watching it sell in seconds on Twitter, so I just started posting like photos i loved and they kept selling and then i made a photo like don't buy this nft for like 800 bucks and someone bought it and i was like dude (laughs) have you been selling out of everything all of them basically like every one you posted for the most part i pulled some down and then like the skate park collection i really like i have i'm like if it sells for 17 eth or 10 eth great if it never sells i don't care because I value these pieces of like one-on-one history to me. If a board Ape Yacht Club can sell for 50 ETH, I don't have any doubt in my mind that a rare one-of-one only historical moment can sell for 50 ETH. And that's my mindset. Like if it takes a year or two or never sells, great. Like that's fine. Like I actually am like okay never selling anything from the Venice Skate Park again if it doesn't happen. Like in my my personal like perspective of it is it's no different than like a one of one historical moment. That's the only place you can buy it and own it is through OpenSea. It's really interesting because these pieces are a part of you. And even as a collector myself, it it's weird because it's not just a coin, you know, like a coin, a Bitcoin, an Ethereum coin. This is like you're buying the art and part of the community and it's way different. It feels like, oh, I'm part of V friends now. I'm part like and I feel a different sense about selling things. Do you get that sense too, Zach? Uh yeah. And um I think like what Hunter said, you should buy what you love. You should buy communities you love and communities you want to be a part of. And uh yeah, it's like crazy. Like imagine you're like in this Discord and like you're making friends, you're talking to people, you have friends on Twitter, and then one day you sell and it's like, now what? Like, yeah. uh, well, buddy sold one of his and he's like, damn, a part of me's gone. Like I sold my car. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's something. There's you something. Panic sold it. I was like, dude, hold it for like two, three more weeks. It's gonna oh, go yeah. up. Do you, you notice that the 
like it, it's a hundred percent a game of patience and like what you said under and do you do you agree with me that like the lack of patience in nft world is just like insane like when you look at these uh losses people take well it's because, because we are an instant gratification world and we've been programmed with everything yeah. like social media makes everything instant gratification because anytime you're bored you open up your phone and now you're satisfied I agree. which like programmed our brains to like i also think it's like you see these collections dropping and then you're like holy shit all i own is this fucking picture i need to get rid of this i'm gonna take the loss i honestly think that's part of it even though that's that's wrong like you shouldn't do that promo can go and, both ways Oh yeah, and I think if you look at like I what I've been doing, um, especially because you know things just dropped. Like I'm sure some of your guys' collections dropped a little bit, and um, I've been looking at other people like in the past what they did, like when things dropped, and they always say, just don't sell. Like it's it's gonna take time. If you, bought for, if you bought for the right fundamentals, it's it's just a matter of time. Well, that's an blood. example of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking. I'm Didn't watching. you have him? What's an example? You had him on your podcast. Actually, I saw him tweet this. Um, is uh, what's his name? He owns. He runs a company called NFT now. Did you have him on your podcast? Alejandro Navia. What's his Twitter? Do you know his Twitter? Luis Med. A. Navia. No, I'm gonna find his name on Twitter. Give me a second. Medved. It's like, I guess it's someone different, but he's the co-founder and CEO of NFT now. Matt Med Medved. Um, what did he say? And I don't remember the specifics, but he was just talking about um, all the projects that he bought in the spring around the time that like Bored Apes um, uh, minted. And he said that, um, I actually don't remember the specifics, but basically all these things dropped a ton in value and he just held on to them. A lot of OG projects and I, I don't know the specifics, but basically, and I've seen this across almost everybody where over time their collections are going to go back up if they have the right community and the right fundamentals. Um, I really believe that. Yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm actually gonna try and build out um, a site that has every piece with the story behind it, and it's like you can Your click pieces, on right? it, directs to the OpenSea. But I want it to be like a almost like a Tumblr or Pinterest style where it's all the photos puzzled together, and then you can just click on it or hover over, and it'll show you more information. And I, I love that's, that. That to me is the future of like building these online communities and then intertwining it into Substack and kind of like bringing these stories across the photos. Because every I was talking on Instagram story how every single piece you buy from someone has a story behind. It. Like I can tell you every story behind every photo I posted, know exactly where it was taken, when it was taken, why. Like every piece published, people have stories behind it, and like the creative process, the location, like the why, like how you got the shot. There's there's so much that goes into every little aspect, yeah. but in a way, people are like buying into a piece of you, which is like weird to think of. Like they're buying a piece of me that they now own. Like I'm not creative, but they now own it. And like that piece has a story. Hunter, does it blow your mind to think about like how early NFTs are and also like how early you are? Like you really only listed your first NFT a few weeks ago. They're all selling out. Yeah. Like does it hurt your brain to think about what's going to happen in five years? Like what your pieces are going to go well, for? This was the, and what the I Venice, say, what the Venice piece could go for, like it's, this was it's, the craziest. It hurts my brain. Like this was the most insane week of my life. It was like a month and a week because I yeah. wasn't sleeping. Like three, four hours is all I got a night, and I was deep in it. And like time just melted by, but it went so quick when you're like doing all this, diff these different things. 
And it's really, to me, like, it doesn't even feel like we started. Based on what I've read, what I've researched, like, I feel like no one's even talked about Web 3.0 or where we're going with this. Um, There's a whole world that doesn't know it exists. And once they understand the incentives, once it clicks with them through whatever, um, like, app that is, um, whatever platform, whatever project, it's it's, it's just time, you know? It's going to take the, over. The best example I tell people to make it click instantly in their head is to tell them about a piece of art on the wall and say, if I sell this piece of art on the wall and why would it be that the person who actually created it doesn't get anything from that sale? And then they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, you're right. Because there's no system in place to make that possible. But now there is. And forever, people will be selling Hunter Weiss photos. Forever. the, The interesting thing though, and I thought about this after the fact, is you could do a private sale and just transfer it to an ETH address outside of OpenSea and no one would ever know. And I started already thinking about that because I looked through a few of my photos and they'd been sent to different addresses and then listed. And I was wondering if people did a sale Mm. outside of OpenSea or if they moved it to a different wallet. Because if it's not relisted on OpenSea, then it wouldn't get the royalty. But say someone buys a photo for a million dollars and then transfers it to a friend for a private sale through their wallet. Now it's like, no, the creator doesn't get paid. That, that's true. That's a really good point. But similar to Airbnb, where if you sell your or you rent your house out on Airbnb and then you form a connection with someone, you can then do a private sale in the future. Airbnb is the true. hub. OpenSea is the hub. So, true. Yeah. And like so if yes, you ever want to relist it or someone wants to comes to your OpenSea profile to buy it, they would then be able to put some in an offer. It's going to happen no matter what. I'm sure there's people that are trading the mutants out of a wallet just because they can and it saves fees or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's always going to happen in any market. Exactly. Every market's going to have that. Yeah. So it's going to be weird when a Hunter Weiss piece goes for 20 ETH and that's just the norm and that's the floor for a Hunter Weiss piece. What, what's going to, what would that be like if the floor for Hunter Weiss is, is 20 ETH, not investment advice? I mean, dude, the, to me, like that Venice collection has so much connection to like the 2020 in the world we're in, and like how every I and I hate to say it, but I feel like the world like 2019 was the last normal year of like the world. Like I don't see, and it's like Chase says, but I don't think we're gonna go back to what we had unless there's like a global revolution. Like I'm not even kidding. Like we have moved into a different. A different time. I'm and sure you like the catalyst of that. You notice it more in California than anything. Yeah, I mean, even like I was in LA a couple of days ago, and San Diego to LA is vast different, like completely different already. Like some lady yelled at me in a Starbucks for taking my mask off, and I'm like, San Diego's not even wearing masks. It's like you're that close, you're 100 miles away, and it's like two different, two different worlds. Like San Diego, there's no one on the boardwalk wearing a mask going there every night. I bike the boardwalk in Venice. Everyone's wearing a mask. It's like they're outside. Like there's two different worlds a hundred miles away. And to me, like I, I lived in LA. I saw it all. I've seen everything that like went down that city. I drive down some of these streets and every place, half the street is still vacant with four lease signs. And it doesn't add up because someone's eating that loss while there's no one filling the tenants. It just all these little things don't add up right now. Like we have mm-hmm. stock markets just straight up 
but like you look around and all the puzzle pieces don't make sense. And I tweet about it too, like minimum wage is $15 an hour at all these restaurants and they have four, four hire signs. They can't hire anyone. Yet, they, they, can't, they can't even be open because they don't have enough employees. Mm-hmm. Huge problem right now. I think it's Which just is crazy a massive because the – you pointed out such an interesting point, which is like different locations are living in different worlds. And I think this is true not only in Los Angeles to San Diego, but like San Diego to Austin, Texas or Austin versus a random other place. Like every, every place now is living in a different place of technology, different place mm-hmm. of – the local regulations around COVID. It's like there's so many different realities that people are living in. And I think that's why it's more important than ever just to be empathetic and understanding to people because people's information and diet, content diet is different. So we really just got to lend a helping hand and, and be open to whatever reality someone else is presenting in any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually crazy when you think too though like every city in every state has its own rules like right now we're kind of li- like america's living off of local government's decisions versus like federal mandates like someone can just decide they can decide whatever they want wherever you go like you'll see the vast difference between like florida and california or like texas and california or arizona and california like they're all completely different did you guys see australia What's happening in Australia? Do you guys you see that? Can't miss it. It's like I mean, I, I, see, I, I, I saw a tweet. I didn't know if this was real. Let me pull up the tweet because it was just no. I saw a video of a cop beating someone on Twitter in Australia for like protesting, and it's like complete. What's happening in Australia? I don't know. I just know people, that lockdowns are crazy. I just know people, it's like the most absurd lockdowns. So it's like yeah. Listen to this quote: People in South Australia will be forced to download an app that combines facial recognition and geolocation. The state will text them at random times, and thereafter they will have 15 minutes to take a picture of their face in the location where they are supposed to be. That is why they're protesting. That is why they're fighting back, and that is why they're not even started yet. Because as more of this stuff comes out, you're going to piss off more people, and as you piss off more people, more people are going to come to the street, and they're going to basically be angry at who's governing them and it's only going to escalate it's a wild world it's a wild world Mm -hmm. i hear that's only in certain places too in australia like some places are completely fine and some cities are completely rogue like crazy yeah it'll be uh it'll be because it's like there's a detachment like you could dive into this crypto sphere and completely detach from what's going on in the rest of the world because you're you're so focused on something that's it feels like a distraction from everything else, but mm-hmm. well, I think overall, see. like it's go ahead. No, no, no I was going to, I was, I was going to say that like what we're seeing is like, uh, the, all the COVID, the lockdowns, the, what we just talked about in Australia, it's, it's waking people up to the fact that, you know, the system of the world is around. I was just chosen by a handful of people. And what, like I have this belief, and I mean, you can debate this if you, if you, everyone has their own opinion on it, but I just think, Reality is slowly starting in the you know, last century, moving to the digital world. And what I mean by that is, you know, web one, you have, you know, web pages with text, and then you have social media where you can post and you could buy things. And now you have 
Web3, where it's basically um, turning everything into an economy. And now, I don't know if you want to call it Web4, but virtual reality will give you that sense of presence. And so what you're seeing now is essentially, you know, you could start it as like the decentralization of content. Everyone can make content. And then you could say the decentralization of money. And then it's going to be the decentralization of reality, where people will be able to build their world from the ground up and build the type like that project we talked about, Loot. That has its own economy now. And, yeah. and people, if that has a VR application, people can spend, that project has been a week old, a week. And if somebody spent, if somebody created, I'm sure it'll exist in a week from now, a great VR application for that, where you could spend your time walking around the world and trading loot with other people. And you could use loot to, you could take out loot in ETH and go, you know, convert that to cash and spend it at the supermarket for food, right? And then go back into your loot VR world, trade loot, sell loot. What world are you living in? You know, it's like it almost um, yeah, it almost starts getting the wonder like we're getting sucked into like this this technological world which like takes you away from real life. And they say like if you if you don't pay for the product, you are the product. Like always sticks with me. Mm-hmm. That's true. But even like the world we're going into, if you pay for the product, you then become a bigger product of the ecosystem. Like some of these some of these collections you might spend couple hundred bucks but now your life revolves around what you purchase and now you're sucked into the community and you're spending time investing into these sub niches and groups to Uh either sell your item for more later or figure out how to get the next drop and it's all a funnel it's all but i i like that take but i also think that and that's framed from my perspective in a negative way i think of it as in a positive as well because i know my brother been We've been investing in NFTs together, and now it's like we have an additional point to talk about, an additional connection I have with him that I wouldn't have had had it not been for investing in NFTs. With Gary Vaynerchuk, with VFriends, I'll be going to the live conference, hopefully, if my NFT doesn't sell for 50 ETH. You know? It's like... Yeah, no, I think it can go both ways. Be careful. Be careful about that. I 100% agree. It goes both ways. It's just we are diving into an entire like wild, wild west of new tech. It is. Which is only going to be like – and you already see how addicting it feels and is and can be. And that yeah. – like when you mix game mechanics with purchasing and with limited edition, you've now created a big game. And with yeah. identity. You know, that, and identity. that last piece where people are – you know, the best collections do the best job of attaching the owner's identity like uh, I really like the new like Creature World collection. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, Creature World. I just think like I. You look told at me about that. Like, yeah, I I first heard from Gary V like a lot of things, and uh, I actually saw it first. I played the game first, and I didn't buy it. Um, the, the website's so cool. The mint. I believe this. I didn't. I think I was late, so I didn't experience it. But I believe the minting experience was just like. Um, so it's built. This is actually another tangent, but really cool new website platform. It's like the Wix. Squarespace for virtual worlds. So it lets you make a really simple website that's like a virtual world. And right now, I think the use case is like you, like you guys could do it. You can make a gallery. It's similar to um, on Cyber. Have you seen that? Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So this uh, creature world, the minting experience, I believe, was like you walk towards this beam of light, and then you do this things with these creatures, and then your guy is created something like that. Um, but I look at the community, and these people are their creatures. Like there's something. 
that collection gives me like like Yeezy, like Kanye vibes. Like it gives me like this mystery vibe that I really like. Um, and it's, it went down a lot. It went down to, I think, one ETH. Um, I like that collection a lot. I've had an idea and I hope someone steals it from listening to this podcast because I think it's like one of those things that could be easy to mint and, and make. But you know how um, when you were younger, you could collect like license plates with your name on it from different states or like different mm-hmm. countries or whatever. I think it could be cool if someone figured out how to make a creative mint drop for you type your name in on the mint and it mints you a custom license plate based on where you're from type of deal. That would be but there's sick. only like 10, only 10,000 cool. or whatever. So like your name could be like Hunter or like Danny from New York, Hunter from California. And if someone else wants Hunter from California, they'd have to buy it off you type of deal. And it's like a 10,000 yeah. collection license plates with names. So now it's like that's there's only cool. 10,000 of them. But you could like – there's so many random things you can do. Like that's the thing is this whole wild, wild west is like hey, – I had an idea really- I'll share. I had a fun idea. Like I was thinking about like fitness on Instagram. Like all these people, all these fitness influencers, massive pool of influencers. They're not really using NFTs. What if you did a collection? I don't know the quantity. Maybe like 5,000 and you have X amount, like a few hundred of arm day, chest day, leg day, uh, like shoulder day. You know, you sell certain items and then you do the, some type of group workout or some holders can come and fly in with you and work out. Um, that was a random idea. <laughs> it's just like there's so many ideas. So for the chest day, leg day, I, I don't get it. Give me the. Oh, okay. Yeah. The idea would be like you, you, you give certain types of access based on what token to have. And so like people really look up to these fitness, fitness influencers, right? And so I'd be thinking like, you know, how would, a, how would a person provide utility and access to an NFT? And it'd be like, oh, you like let them come join you for an arm day. Like mm. Gary Vee has his access tokens with vFriends. Same thing. Yeah, you have unlockable of, content. So on yeah, you can set up unlockable mm-hmm. content. If someone buys yeah. it, that person has it. If they sell it, the next person gets it. So it can Yeah, so that'd be an example. And so like once a year, maybe this person gets flown out to you and you do a workout together. I think that'd be cool. You'd probably have to do it really limited, but that'd be, that'd be it's like a random idea I thought of. And those I are the best collections, like the ones that create new use cases, because it, it really is like um, this whole. I, I like this idea a lot. It's um, it's from this guy. His name is Brian Johnson, I believe. Who he created a company called Braintree, acquired by Venmo, and now he's um, he's building brain computer interfaces. Obviously, brilliant guy, and he has this idea called zero with principle thinking, and. He did a great podcast with Lex Friedman. You should check it out. He talks about this, where basically like you have first principles, where first principles is um, the ideas like, you know, you've seen that Elon Musk video probably where he talks about first principles and he says, oh, like, you know, the rocket from Russia was this expensive, but then I thought about it and then, you know, you have this atom and this, this ion and if you just do it this way, you can make it cheaper. But, and that you could break down, you could break down knowledge to first principles. But zero principles, zero principles are the ideas that there's no framework for. It's like the CSGO player who's built with AI, right, does things that CSGO players have never heard of and never thought of doing because they couldn't. Because only a machine could think of these CSGO moves. And and this is like a long analogy, but basically like the best NFTs are going to be the ones that invent these new use cases and invent these new things that never existed before. And like Gary Vee, I think, is like – The fine, restaurant. Like doing, like, yeah, but the restaurant, well, I don't, I don't know. Did he release his plans for that exactly? No, right? Not yet? No. But like the book was an example almost of that. Like who's done a book launch like that? 
Nobody. Explain the book launch. I'm pretty sure it gets to the New York Times bestseller list if someone buys 80 copies times millions of people purchasing. (laughs) Zach, explain the the book launch. Yeah, do you know how many he sold though, uh, Danny? I don't know. Also, shout out to you. I saw the video. We shouted you out. So shout out to him shouting you out. That was so cool. He's like, Danny, let's insert it here. Let's insert the clip here. (laughs) It's Pages Sports just bought 48. Thank you, Danny Miranda. Danny, you need to buy more than 48. You're a hustler. I know you. I know you bought 48. I appreciate it. You're my guy. We met at a book signing when you were a kid, but you're smart. Listen to what I'm saying. That means you're only going to get four airdrops. Well, God, tell us about. All right. There you go. Uh, but basically, the, the book launch was essentially you know, Gary already has his great collection, Be Friends. And. He has this book coming out, which he's been teasing the last few weeks, called 12 and a Half. And I believe it's related to emotional intelligence and business. Is that right, Danny? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And um, he basically announced he announced it. And for 24 hours, if you bought 12 copies of the book from any major bookseller and then submitted a receipt and your wallet address, you would be airdropped um, something, some NFT um, for every 12 books you buy. And so, you know, you can think of each 12 books like minting, like that's like your cost to mint, right? And um, some people went absolutely crazy. I mean, I know you bought a ton, Danny. I bought 36, I think. Yeah, 36. And um, I just believe in Gary. Like I believe this guy will die before he lets his collection go down in value over time, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. What was I your think we should take also on clarify it? For anyone who uh, doesn't know, minting is the act of being the first person to have it in your wallet address. So, for example, if you want to mint from a website, it's like the IPO of an item. So, you would hypothetically go to a website, a lot of them are .io or whatever, and your wallet is connected on your browser, your MetaMask, whatever you use. And at a certain time, they open up a mint and it tells you how many units and it shows a loading bar for how many have sold. So if it's a 10,000 unit drop and there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of big community and Discord says 40,000 people, it could sell out in two minutes, it could sell out 10 seconds, it could take 10 minutes. And you are clicking buy now and you can mint as many as you want up to their limit. So some might have a 10 minute limit at once or a 20 or two and you click how many you want to buy and you click mint and you your wallet is going to go through and it's going to pop up a transaction and you're going to have to say you're going to have to accept it and it's going to show you most likely an exorbitant gas fee because when everyone mints at once it drives up gas because there's a lot of people trying to get it on drop and once you collect this mint it's now automatically added to your eth address and when you go on OpenSea, you'll be able to see that it says minted it'll say null because it came from nothing to you you were the first owner and creator. You were basically the first owner, not creator. You're the first owner of an item because it was minted from your wallet online directly to you. And now you can then hold on to it or try and sell it. I think the, the difficult thing about getting involved in this ecosystem is you forget how much you've learned in such a short period of time. I am by no means an expert, but... I've forgotten in my head that, oh, there are people who might not know what minting is, which I'm sure a lot of people don't know what that means, and understandably so. There's so many aspects of it that you get flown into and and brought into, and you're like, how? I didn't know what that was three months ago, or and you take it for granted. Has that also happened to you guys? And the crazy thing, 
the crazy thing with minting is it's random. So you could get a rare mint that then could yeah. be worth 20 ETH in a week or a month that you paid $300 for. Or yeah. you could get worthless mints that are worth nothing and you lose money or you sell below the floor price. Or you just don't know and you buy a mint and you hold on to it for a few weeks and now your prices went up double. There's so many different strategies. And the one thing I've been reading is a lot of these guys will mint four. And the reasoning behind it is you want to sell, keep your best two and flip your best two to cover your cost basis. So now you have two mints riding for free that are covered already. So in these big collections, if you can get four and sell two for double, then you let two stay and hopefully ride the price higher. Yeah, I, that's an interesting strategy. I've been thinking about buying at least two or minting at least two because you're going to want one to sell and one to hold. Yeah. But four is great too if you can afford I it. Haven't bought, I've only minted two max. I haven't done the four <laughs> thing. I just, I it's a, it's a good point. I've yeah, been that was a mistake I made. Well, yeah, a lot mistaken. of Twitter guys will say, like, if you can afford four of these big collections, you'll be able to sell too easily. It just depends, obviously. But yeah, like that was something I didn't click that didn't click with me originally. Maybe it's just because I wasn't aware of it. But um, it's better to have like more of more of less collections than less of more. So, you know, I, that was tricky wording. But, you know, be consolidated to fewer collections, but have more of the collections you believe in, so, you know. If you have like aliens, have several aliens, um, because that was a mistake I made. I got too many, you know, ones, one of each, and and it's unless you want to be like this, you, but I don't. You don't want to be checking all these things. It's too much. And, it's too much mental and, bandwidth. Yeah, you, no one can do it, especially if you're not like super high conviction on them. So like I bought some where like like you said, I didn't love the art. I just like thought this would make money, and so I ended up like you know. I, most of them, I was able to get up, you know, get a, you know, point percentage of ETH back, but I sold them and I, I should, probably should not have even bothered with them. Hey, I did the same on one of these mints. I bought some stupid yeah. hippos and they're worthless. And I just took my oh, L yeah. and was like, you know what? Yeah. If, if it's the learning process requires L's and like, that's just like you either quit or bounce back and you bounce back, you'll figure Definitely. it out. Definitely. Yeah. That's the thing about this too is like, every project that doesn't work out is a learning experience and a way for you to, when it does work out. I mean, I was listening to a story today about Tom Osmond flipping uh, 1.7 ETH to 400 ETH in 19 days because he bought a rock. And that was just the most absurd story to me. But he, the point and takeaway I got from it was that he had made mistakes along the way to get to that point. He flipped an ape for a four ETH profit, which could have been a a fifty ETH profit. But it just is learning experiences, and there might 100%. be something you sold that is going to be worth exponential value, and that's okay. And no, oh, and that's it's that's part like of the, the learning process. Like I bought the killers drop, and I sold both of mine above what I bought them for. And then I look, and like the floor doubled or tripled from where I sold it, and I had two of them. And it's like I could beat myself up over it and be like, "I, that's a two or three thousand dollar difference. I didn't lose any money, but I could have had two or three thousand dollars more." Or it's like, you know what? Don't look at it. Move on to the next project. Look at the next thing you like. Look at the next collections. Because it's there. Don't forget the you don't forget the stings. You know, when it stings, that teaches you. And like. uh that's how you really remember it. And then 
yeah, it's what, you know, you'll find new collections. And the biggest thing I felt is like, well, one, you can look at like analytics a lot. You can look at charts. A lot of these collections follow similar charts, even though it's also new. Like, I don't know how much you can really go by charts. Um, but also just like the feeling, like for me, I was, I, when I was first getting into collection, right, I was, I didn't want to, I was, um, you know, hesitant to spend a lot of money, obviously. I was just getting into NFTs, but I really wanted a cool cat. I just saw what was happening and I saw that, it was such a, I texted you, Danny. I was like, this looks great. Like, and I didn't buy one. I just waited and the floor rose. And I ended up spending just that same amount on other stuff, like mo- more than what it would have cost me to just get a cool cat. And then the cool cat floor exploded. And now it's like, okay, what felt like how it felt like to skip on the cool cats? Do you know what I mean? Like that week when I was looking at cool cats a lot and I had a feeling they were going to go up. What feels like that now? And uh, I think that's, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. One thing I shared with you, Zach, was that my investment strategy now is would I text my brother to buy this? And that's not so always good. good. That's not always going to work, but my brother is smart. He's curious and he's going to push back on my ideas. So if I would recommend a project to him, then I should think about investing in it myself. Mm-hmm. That's a, I love that framework. When you told me that, uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. It's good. So, you guys both mentioned analytics and tools, and you guys have both texted me about tools you, you have used in the past. I'm curious if you have any you'd like to share with the listeners right now. Um, I've, been deep, I've been deep on CoinGecko like for years. Um, before NFTs, I've been degenerately trading crypto on the side, and I do all my analysis in about 5 to 20 minutes max on CoinGecko before it ate me into the projects. <laughs> what did you text me about today, um, though? Hunter, did I you, text you the the DApp tools, the one that has the DappRadar.com? Yeah, so this is everything that's pretty much um, you can see deep analytics that are being publicly tracked. So, uh, for example, you can see everything about OpenSea, um, and it basically lets you track like how many users, how many wallets, um, how much volume, how much in fees. And it's a good way of seeing how things are growing and how much traffic they're getting. And it's all public. Mm-hmm. So that's also radar.com. Yeah. Danny, I have, da- I have yeah. some tools too. Um, Hunter, do you have any more? Or yeah. That- and then I'm using rarity.tools and this is like the big, big one, one. For- um, so the mints have to pay to be listed on rarity tools. And then it also ranks all these drops by rarity. So you can go in and see what's already dropped. You can click board ape yacht club. You can see it's number two by volume. You can view the whole collection in order of ranked one to whatever. And then you can click on it and you can buy it. Like run right now is one right now has a minimum bid of 1,700. You have to spend $6.7 million to buy the number one board ape yacht club. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Another thing useful with the already tools is you can look, I don't think you can do it. I think you can do it on already tools. You can see the floor for specific traits. And so can you do that on rarity tools? I think you can, right? Yeah. Okay. And, um, if not on rarity tools, you can do that on OpenSea by just selecting the trait and then going buy now, low to high. Because that can give you an idea like, all right, I have an alien with blue spiky hair. What is that going to compare to the floor price? Because um, those might not sell as quick, but they're usually worth more. Um, yeah. The other thing the, I, you, 
Go ahead. We're going to see with some of these projects, they're always going to use CryptoPunks as a basis to compare as mm-hmm. the CryptoPunks is like the OG. But as we see all these yeah. new projects come out, we're going to see them ranking and we're going to see them moving up fast and having insane hype and celebrities using it as profile pictures. Mm-hmm. And that's also something to track too is who is change- who is in the game? Who is changing yeah. the profile picture? Why did Steph Curry buy this project? How much did he pay? The fact that he owns it means it's probably worth double once he sells it because there's also the collector that Steph's address had it before me. Mm, and there's going to be all these different, um, I guess you could call it public figures that will influence everything just based on what they like. They don't even have to tell someone. If they buy it and then society yeah. finds out, other people are going to rush to it just off the cloud alone. Yeah, yeah I mentioned that to Danny. I think that's going to be what's fascinating. I was saying it's going to be big, like that. It plays a big role in, you know, how much things dip. If there's corrections, how how many big people are getting into the space? I think Andre Igua something. Iguodala. His last name. Yeah, he bought a cool cat today. I saw that all over Twitter, and um, it plays a big role in public awareness. Yeah, I was just going to say it's fascinating that Visa buying the CryptoPunk serves as marketing, but also as an asset because they can sell it most likely for more than what they bought it. So you're going to have marketing that is also revenue generating, which is bizarre and an entirely new way to think about things. They could use it as a giveaway for millennials to get them on a Visa credit card. Like there's so many routes that they could take with it now that they own it. And because it's not considered a currency, it's a collectible or it doesn't, it falls into, they can gift it to someone. Mm Mm-hmm. It's different than gifting someone 50 Bitcoin because now you're gifting a collectible item. But there's so many different things that can be done with these. Yeah. Here, Danny, I have some tools just before we move on. Anything else that are really good that I found? Um, And also, I think the tools are – they're really good, but use them sparingly. Don't spend your whole day like searching through tools. But these are just some good ones I found. Um, uh, So if you're looking at like analytics, if you want to see, you know, uh, floor prices and average sale prices, kind of like a stock chart – dune.xyz is excellent um there's another one called evaluate.market this one is a little more cleaner of an interface but i believe they have maybe a few less collections um one i sent you the other day it's called icy.tools that one is really cool it shows you floor um trends but in a shorter time span than what you see on OpenSea. and um that one's really good one i just found one last one is called it's literally called wgmi.o we're gonna make it.io this one it, it it looks like it's pretty it's very bare bones but it basically which is great shows you like every project's floor price on one spreadsheet which is great because like right now you sometimes have to like literally go to each collection and look at the floor and this one looks like they're kind of building it all in one thing which is good and yeah i just wanted to shout those out they helped me yeah, this is. I just opened a few of these. I just saved all those links. Check out WGMI.O. Like this is. Yeah, that's really what helpful. I'm on right now. It looks good. Um, a little like hard to navigate, but it's new, so maybe it's uh, it'll get better. I should also mention LuckyTrader.com is building up uh, an incredible platform, and yeah, um, yeah, they currently only have a newsletter facing, but I mean, behind the scenes, I think they're gonna have a great platform to check out in the near future. Sounds good. All right, boys. We, um, we covered a lot here today. Yeah, that flew by. Is there anything else you'd like to mention 
before we go to a close? I don't think so. Do some research. Don't just, uh, <laughs> Do your own research, not financial advice. <laughs> just don't FOMO into things, but also know that this is really fun and your mind can, can easily like think that it's a good idea when it might be a bad idea and vice versa. Like you might not think you should do something and you probably should because damn, I've looked at these board. I looked at them. I was trying to get that mutinate drop in 2.5 ETH or whatever. And now it's like 40 ETH and I'm kicking myself. So if your gut is telling you to buy something, just follow the gut. <laughs> and also just, but the other thing, it's too weird though. Cause it's, it, you want to follow your gut, but also you don't want to be in a rush. I think when you're in a rush, you, you lose. Cause I've done that. And like, I've had to learn like how to not FOMO into things because I've definitely FOMO'd in and um, the, just like managing your own psychology is, I mean, that's investing, but um, uh, yeah, so I would say don't be in a rush. Like there will always be so many more projects. Like there will always be so many more. And so have a, like, that's what I'd say. And so if I yeah. could tell myself advice for like two weeks ago, that's what I'd say. Don't rush as much. Um, have, you know, true, true, strong conviction before you spend money. Yeah, and if you're a creator, start publishing your work because you have nothing to lose. Yeah, you have a risk in oh, yeah, setting up your big. wallet. You have a risk in setting up your wallet and your listing fee. But you can publish a collection without setting up a fee at all. You can put 50 photos on there and wait for offers to come in or put whatever price you want to try and sell it at. And highly recommend not doing an auction. Set up, buy it now for price. If you want it to sell quicker, 0.03 to 0.1. Um, a lot of the collections that sell out are 0.05 and just get started. Like you really have nothing to lose other than the initial wallet activation fee. Yeah. And I would also point out that if you're listening to this podcast and you've made it this far in the episode, you are aware of a new technology that the world has not embraced yet. And even if you listen to this a year from the date that it's published, probably late 2022, you'll still be early in the grand scheme of things. I look at this the same way we look at social media today. And if you got in social media in 2007, you were early. And if you got onto Web 1.0 in 2001, even after it crashed, you were early. So just know that there's a lot of time for this to play out in the real world. It's going to take a lot of time to get people involved. But right now, this has been so exciting to be at the forefront, especially with you guys. Thank you guys for joining me here today. Where can people find more from both of you? Uh, Hunter, you can go first. Uh, Twitter at Hunter underscore Weiss. And then same Instagram at, under, at Hunter underscore Weiss on Instagram. Uh, those are two great places. What about your, open, what about your open sea collections? Yeah, my OpenSea, you can just type in Hunter Weiss or Monkey Selfies um, or LA2020. At I think the OpenSea, I got Hunter Weiss online, so it's OpenSea slash user whatever. I honestly don't know exactly. Let me look. Yeah, OpenSea.io slash collection slash Hunter Weiss. Very nice. There you go. Check out the collection. Um, me, you can just find me on Twitter. It's at ZachXT and also on Instagram, which is at BehaviorHack. B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-H-A-C-K. Some people spell behavior differently. So, <laughs> Yeah, we'll put those both below, all those links. Thank you guys for joining me. It's been a great conversation, and I'm grateful for both of you. Great to be here. Happy we did this. A lot of fun. <laughs> Just getting started. hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Probably one of my favorite episodes to record, bringing Hunter 
and Zach into the same room, the virtual room that is, and discuss one of my favorite topics for so long. So really hope you guys enjoyed that. If you have any thoughts about this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. And if you made it this far you and you enjoyed it, please let someone know about this episode who you think would benefit from it. That would mean the world to me. That would help spread the show. And I'd be super grateful for that. That's all for me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. If you decide to invest in NFTs, I hope nothing but success and profits follow. And I will see you in the next episode. Peace.